Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. And ladies and gentlemen, it's Christmas. So let's listen to Celtic Women and Carol of the Bells. Too. I, I love that. That's one of my favorites. And I want to just start out by saying, Sandy Rios again, with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Why are people so happy at Christmas? I realize we have Santa and the elves. We have reindeer. We have Christmas trees. We have presents. We have cocktail parties. We have all kinds of things, beautiful clothing. Uh, and so that makes some people happy. And I, But I think of it this way. Oh, in weddings now, Stay with me. Weddings now have sort of lost their deep beauty. And I believe it's because it's become about the dresses, the decorations, the honeymoon, the proposal. It's no longer about a man and a woman coming together physically for the very first time, uh, starting to live together for the first time. Their families join together in that sacred ceremony, that union with God, that recognition of a holy, holy commitment to each other for life. That's the part that's missing, and that's really the there that's not there. And so I'm saying to you that Christmas is more than decorating your house, which I love. It's more than your Christmas tree, which I love, and giving presents. It's more than your cocktail parties and your dresses and your, you know, Rudolph and Santa. I, there's nothing, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with having all of that and enjoying it, but please don't miss the heart the nut of Christmas, the nut of Christmas, is that no matter what's happening in the world right now, no matter your personal circumstances, do you understand that we have a Savior? We are celebrating His birth, God's only Son, sent to us in the form of a baby, unbelievably that the Almighty God who created heaven and earth would allow Himself to become so diminished and so small in order to grow up and to walk among men and to show us what God was really like, because Jesus was God, and then to sacrifice. Not They didn't take him by force. He sacrificed his life in a brutal way because God requires, a holy God requires repentance for sins, and Jesus paid for your sins. Whatever it is that you are ashamed of, that you hope no one ever, ever finds out about you, 
Jesus came to die for that, to take the penalty, to take the punishment so that you don't have to if you accept the lordship, his lordship in your life. Okay, so that's why we're so happy. And because no matter what's happening in the headlines, and the headlines are a little stressful, no matter what's happening with your pocketbook, no matter what's happening in your family and the disruptions, do you understand that we have a Savior, a Redeemer, who will redeem all of these things and bring real justice. That's why we're so happy. Those of us that know the nut of Christmas, understand the heart of it, that's why we're so happy when we celebrate the birth of this Savior, and we want you to understand that too. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, every day I tell you, every day that you join me on the podcast, I tell you about preborn because we are in the business of saving lives because a lot of times, every day, actually, thousands of babies never even get a chance at life. But in the midst of this darkness, we can be the change. You see, while the abortion giants are busy ending babies' lives, Preborn's network of clinics are busy saving babies' lives. This year alone, Preborn has rescued over 44,000 babies. And every day, they save 200 babies because, because of you. You are the most faithful givers, unbelievably breathtakingly generous to this fund. It's preborn. They p- provide ultrasounds for women who are confused about their pregnancy. And so if you want to help, it is Christmas. <laughs> Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation. And speaking of babies, this Jesus came as a human baby. He made himself vulnerable to humans, uh, to human hands. He made himself vulnerable to the care of humans. You know, I don't really think Jesus ever didn't know he was God. I think even as an infant, he recognized that the, the, the people were worshiping him. That was the, the way things—he was God, for heaven's sake. He, I, I think he was well aware of the star and the angels, of his, the, the care and caressing of his mother. He reduced himself, reduced himself to the form of a baby child at at the mercy of humans and at the mercy of humans in this life uh, with cold and hunger and work and relationships and difficulties, he subjected himself to that. That would be like you and I deciding we'd like to be a bug and subject ourselves to the elements, uh, to people's feet, uh, to the whims of nature. That would be like that giving up our strength and our power and our brains and becoming bugs. God, the comparison is probably very inadequate, but God gave up all of that power to become a baby. And I can't think of a better song that really expresses the God God nature of Jesus. His, he's fully man and fully God, but in a baby, what did that look like and what was that like? Chris Rice tells the story so beautifully in Welcome to Our World. Tears are falling, hearts are breaking, how we need to hear from God. You've been promised, we've been waiting, welcome home. Sent to heal 
to our world with Chris Rice. Allow me to just repeat a few of those phrases. I started telling you Jesus came as this little tiny baby. And Chris writes, fragile finger sent to heal us. Tender brow. How many times have you kissed your baby's tender brow? That was my favorite place to kiss my little ones. Tender brow prepared for thorn. Tiny heart whose blood will save us unto us is born. So wrap our injured flesh around you and breathe our air and walk our sod. Rob our sins and make us holy, perfect, Son of God. Welcome to our world. Can't think of a better description. Well, what we're going to do now on Sandy Reels 24-7, I should just tell you some practical things. It seems I kind of hate to leave the moment, but I have to. Uh, You know that you can listen to this on any podcast channel. You can find us at sandyrios.com. You can listen at AFR.net. That is our mothership. And you can find us on all the social media platforms. And so, but today uh, we are, we're going to listen to music and we're going to hear some great stories that you won't want to miss. But we're going to start out with a real life story. It's happening now. We're going to go to the jail, the D.C. Gulag Jail and talk to Jacob Lang, maybe 30. I'll ask him if he's 30 yet. He's been in there for three years, three years, three years, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to talk to him, and we're going to see how we can help those young men, mostly J6 are certainly all men now in prison still. Uh, we're going to see how we can help them because there is a way. There actually actually is some good news, and I want you to hear it. But first, let's listen to Let's just have some fun. Let's uh, let's listen to one of my favorite. <laughs> this is one of my favorites too. It's the Martins. Go tell. There were shepherds on a hillside. There were angels in the sky. They said, "Boys, don't you be afraid. This is the night of your life. There's a baby in a manger that the whole world needs to know. It begins here with you." what you must do Go tell, go tell, go tell Go tell What you see That shining star You can keep it to yourself Go tell
shouted, the rich, the poor, and the lame. And if they were able, the cows in the stable would praise his holy name. Okay, the Martins, isn't that great? And you can tell how old the song is by Go Tell It on Your Car Phones. <laughs> that must have been recorded a long time ago, but they are one of my favorite groups. And we can have beautiful, wonderful fun at Christmas. But we're going to take it in a, to a different direction now. We're going to go to Jacob Lang, who is languishing in the District of Columbia Jail, the Gulag, we call it. And we've called it that for some time. Uh, we're going to talk to him, so just uh, stay tuned. We have... Hundreds of thousands of people here, and I just want them to be recognized by the fake news media. Turn your cameras, please, and show what's really happening out here, because these people are not going to take it any longer. They're not going to take it any longer. The FBI has arrested hundreds of people in connection with the January 6th insurrection. But I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. Jacob Lang is an American hero. He saved two lives on January 6th. Both of those men have signed sworn affidavits saying that the only reason why they're alive is because Jacob pulled them out of a pile of being crushed and suffocated to death. Jacob Lang is still sitting in jail right now. Used to be in America, if you saved a man's life or a woman's life, you were considered to be a hero. But Jacob Lang did it on January 6th, two lives, and he's still incarcerated. So we need to tell that story. All right, Sandy Reels back. That was, a, that was from a video produced by our guest, Jacob Lang, who's joining us in just a second. It's the, the video is called The Truth About January 6th. It's one of the first videos that I saw about what happened as it stands now, more than 1,230 people have been charged in relation to this riot. And I think probably hundreds, if not thousands more, have had their lives ruined, their reputations ruined. It has been uh, the most disgraceful, one of the most disgraceful chapters of American history. And we're just beginning to unwrap all of the malfeasance by our own government uh, that I think set this thing up, cooperated, created this narrative uh, to try to destroy people supporting D Donald Trump. It's just that simple. And also to give the left power to take over the country. But we have some good news today. And so we're not going to just catch up with Jacob, which we're going to do, but we're going to tell you the good news. But first of all, Jacob Lane, live and still still breathing and still strong, incredibly, in the D.C. Gulag. It's known as the jail. It's the District of Columbia Jail. Uh, and uh, J Jacob, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Hey, Sandy. Good morning. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Same to you, Jake. Uh, how old are you now? Are you 30 yet? Uh, no, God forbid. Not yet. I was 25 on January 6th. I'm 28 years old now. I'll be 29 <laughs> in April. Uh, Listen, now, 30... I almost have four birthdays in the gulag. 
well, that's, I, let me make a joke and then I'll, that, 30 is not so bad, so don't worry about turning 30, but we don't want you turning 30 in jail. How many, almost three years, right? You were arrested right after J6, correct? Yeah, we're coming up on three years right now being held indefinitely um, without a trial by my own government, uh, stemming from being a patriot on January 6th, standing up for our country. It's an atrocity uh, that me and hundreds of other Americans are currently suffering through, even even thousands. That's for sure, and you're not overstating that. And so uh, this is why we want to, why we've covered J6 so much since J6, actually. We've been starting, we started on January 6th covering this, Jacob, with a lot of you guys and other people that were observers. And uh, my husband and I were not able to go because he'd been injured, but we were planning on going. And so um, it's uh, very close to our hearts what's happening to you. But let's start with the good news, and then I want to catch up with you a little bit on the circumstances of the jail and all of that. Uh, the good news is you guys, Patrick Byrne, the founder and uh, of Overstock and CEO of Overstock, has offered to make a huge contribution to your legal fund and the legal fund of another organization as well. Uh, can you tell us about, you know, what's, what's that all about? Yeah, this is, I mean, God bless, you know, we've got an gr- amazing group of supporters out there, and uh, Patrick Byrne falls in that camp, and he was on my Political Prisoner podcast last week, and we were talking about another pledge that he made to the, the founder of the Proud Boys, or the chairman of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tario, who just got sentenced to 22 years in prison. We were doing a Twitter space for him a couple months ago, a fundraising campaign, and Patrick Be- Byrne jumped into the Twitter space and offered a $100,000 matching um, donation if if Enrique's Gibson Go got to 100000 So I was, you know, just, you know, telling him how grateful I was and how ama- how many ama- amazing people that were just floored with his donation that, that he did that day. And so he was like, well, Jake, tell me how much is in your Gibson Go for the legal fund that you run. And I was like, there's about 270000 in there. And he's like, I'll tell you what, if you can get j6legal.org up to $500,000, I will match it with a $500,000 donation to the Jan Sixers. And so I was like, oh, this is an incredible opportunity. We've never had a donor um, of this, you know, stature or this amount of money come into the January 6th community. And, you know, the legal fund is kind of like the backbone of, of you know, this, this fight against tyranny, this fight against political persecution. We're being railroaded in the Washington, D.C. court. So it's, it's time we put up a much stronger legal battle. So right now, we've, we, from 270000 we're at about 400000 right now. We've raised about 130000 So we're looking at the American people. We need to get to $500,000 by Christmas Day in order for Patrick Burns' offer to be valid. That's, what he, that's the goal yeah. he set. And so, guys, if you're out there and you've been looking for a way to tangibly you know, have a real impact on the January Sixers, uh, that could, you know, literally change your life, help save years off of somebody's life in prison, go to j6legal.org. That's the letter J, the number six, legal.org, and you guys can help out there. Help us yep. get to our goal, please. Y- yes, and let me just uh, editorialize a bit, because one of the huge problems, anybody that listens to me knows this, but, Jake, you always have new listeners, and uh, the problem has been a lot of uh, really unscrupulous lawyers taking the money. These guys... None of them that I know of are rich. They're just not rich. They're usually, they're often military, often former policemen. Uh, They have families. They have regular jobs. Many of them had businesses, you know, small business owners. That's all been gone, destroyed. And these attorneys have required huge fees, as attorneys always do. But some of them are unscrupulous, and they've done nothing for them. They've they've encouraged them to plead, uh, plead, plead guilty, and they pled to a lot of things they shouldn't have and gotten these huge sentences, or they've been offered uh, a public defender who's not who's on the other side, for heaven's sake, in D.C., on the other side, and it's been a travesty. But um, so j6legal.org, j6legal.org, I'm encouraging you. It is Christmas, and they have until midnight Christmas Day, midnight of Christmas, to reach this goal. They need $100,000, and so I know how generous you are, my listeners. I know how generous you are. And I'm just recommending that this, if you are as upset and hurt about this situation as I am, 
then let's let's help. Okay, it's j j six legal dot org. Now, Jake, uh, there was some really great news that's kind of caused. Uh, if people wonder why they would give when it seems like a hopeless cause, it's not. We have actually some hope. You want to explain uh, that what SCOTUS just uh, announced you have that they would do? One minute remaining. <laughs> That's the way jail goes. Sandy, I could call you. I could call you guys right back after this. So I'll just start to explain now. And thank oh, you so okay. much, American people who are generous. Our gratitude as American uh, political prisoners cannot be overstated. We, the support that we get from the outside, kind of makes it so that we can survive on the inside. The commissary, the letters, especially the prayers. Um, you know, the spiritual and tangible support that you guys offer us. Um, has kept me going for three years, and I can, you know, say that with a you know, open heart. That without the American people's love and support, it would feel like this would all be in vain. You know, the the stand we made on January sixth. But we have tens of millions of strong America First supporters, so it makes it all worth it. And yes, we have some huge and amazing news from Supreme Court. They've taken up a January sixth case, obstruction of Congress. I'm going to explain more about that whole entire situation, how it came to be, right when I call back, Sandy, okay? Okay. Thank All you right. for using global telling. <laughs> okay. I know that's not funny, but every time we talk to these guys, this is what you hear. This is exactly how it goes. So he has to call back and talk to me for a few more minutes, and then he gets, you know, it's just, uh, this is a, kind of gives you an idea of the incarceration of it. Uh, but um, uh, let me just repeat, it's J- while Adam deals with uh, calling, uh, receiving that call again, it's J6 Legal. Dot org. That's j6legal.org. But before we get back to Jake, I want to ask uh, I want to ask you something, because we've been now together for almost a year. Sandy Rios 24-7 has been together about a year. And uh, before, of course, we started this podcast, COVID hit, and there was, and before that, you know, the uh, Obamacare launched. And so the medical system in the United States has been creaking and like groaning and uh, not actually doing very well under the weight of all of these, uh, I'd say, bad actions, malfeasance by the government, misleading. And I don't know where you are with your with your medical care. I have a, a nephew who is actually just out of the military, and he's discovering himself. He's got three children. How much it costs uh, to to uh, provide medical care for his kids? It's just enormous. He had no idea. And so I don't know what your circumstances are, but there is an alternative to regular health insurance, and it's Christian Healthcare Ministries. Christian Healthcare Ministries is not an insurance. It's something that you sign up for. It's a pool, pooling of resources by Christians all over the country, millions of them. Uh, and when your medical needs come, they are, you know, you go to the pool and those needs are met, depending, of course, on what plan you, you purchase. But uh, they have covered billions of dollars of medical bills through these many years. Christian Healthcare Ministries was the first one of these kinds of health share ministries, just so that you know. And so they're the longest-serving one, the first and original, I guess you could say. You can choose your own doctor. You can go where you want for the hospital. Uh, you can decide. You know, You can actually bargain with them on price. Uh, because technically you'll be a a person paying your bills independently because you're not in the insurance system. It's really it's, it takes some adjusting for people when they make this change. But I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. You have sort of more control over what kind of healthcare you get. Not unnecessary tests. Uh, not you know checking boxes through you know insurance requires this or requires this or Medicare or whatever. This is a different way where you have more independence and more choice. And so if you're interested in checking it out, and I think you should, this is the first you know, part of the year, it's a good time to think about your life and how you're managing your finances and your family. Go to chministries.org slash Sandy. That's chministries.org slash Sandy. Before we get back to Jake, uh, I want to bring Bruce in because Bruce is an attorney, former FBI agent, and honey, can you help us understand what the Supreme Court now, uh, and on what basis they've decided to intervene and hear this case uh, for Jake and these three other two other guys? Many of these people from January sixth have been charged with obstruction of Congress, and if you read the statute, obstruction of Congress requires either an alteration or a dis- destruction of a document used in an official proceeding, 
or otherwise obstructs or impedes any official proceeding. What the issue is, is long before many of these people that were charged with this actually arrived at the Capitol, Congress had gone out of session. So there is no official proceeding in many people's opinion. The, the, the official proceeding was over. And these people that showed up after Congress dismissed are claiming, look, I didn't obstruct anything. I just went into the Capitol. So that's the issue that's going to be uh, heard before the Supreme Court. And it's like a Justice, Justice Department. Somebody had this brilliant idea. The statute certainly does not apply in this case. And they charged, I think, 330 people with this, which meant that they could add 20 years to their sentence. It's a felony, right? Yes. This originally was meant to be used as, a, as an evidence tampering type um, statute. In other words, if you were going to be charged with something or had been charged with something and you start destroying documents or proof as to what happened, that's what this was going to be used for. And in my opinion, if the Supreme Court rules correctly, they will rule that there was no official proceeding going on when many of these people were there. Okay, thank you, honey. And so uh, Jake is back with us. (laughs) Jake, we're glad to have you back. Uh, So what did SCOTUS decide to do? What's the big deal here? Well, I mean, really, the overarching big deal is they decided to stop these George Soros prosecutors and the rampant abuse that the Biden regime is doing to the DOJ, the FBI, in its tracks. They're sending a huge signal out to, you know, the rest of the, of the branches of government here um, that, hey, there is still a checks and balances system here in America, and you just can't persecute and charge 327 uh, American citizens and Donald Trump with a 20-year maximum felony charge and that's misapplied, it's overbroadly used, and basically it's a weapon. It's a weaponization of the law code as a political instrument to persecute Donald Trump and his supporters. And so Supreme Court has over, you know, they only accept one out of a thousand of these cases that get brought before them. So they've picked this one out of the, the needle out of the haystack here, and they've purposely chosen this one, and they'll be ruling on it, God willing, in our favor um, here in maybe June, July time. And, you know, this is going to send a shockwave through America, uh, hopefully restoring hope in our broken justice system, because, you know, basically American people have been so disenfranchised, Sandy, watching the, the, the January Sixers be completely railroaded here, um, with no justice, with no semblance of a fair jury trial, anything. So this could be the shining a glimpse, you know what I mean, that we have right here. The Supreme Court steps in and does the right thing, and it'll literally be like a jail spring of yeah. hundreds of January Sixers who are incarcerated, mainly for this charge. It's the most serious charge 90% of us have. Yeah, I've actually, uh, according to what I'm reading from the Epoch Times, it's 330 criminal cases, and, and President Trump is one of those. And the whole idea is that basically just, just kind of a ridiculous, let's just say a ridiculous application of the law. And so I think most legal scholars agree. In fact, I know that one key legal scholar really thinks this is going to be turned over, one particular person. And so uh, we're very optimistic. And 20 years, again, as Jake said, has been added on to the sentences of so many people, at least these 330 and Jake is one of them. Uh, and so this is finally, finally, no court has been willing, really, hardly any judge has defended them or given them fairness. There are some exceptions, but not in D.C. Uh, and so this is really absolutely remarkable news. And that's why it's a really great time to donate to J6Legal.org so that these guys can get proper representation, have the money to pay what uh, attorneys deserve, not greedy ones, but really ones who are, you know, in the fight with us. But they still, they have to feed their families. So it's j6legal.org. That's j6legal.org. Jake, um, a couple of quick questions. You know, I've covered the D.C. jail so often. I've talked to several prisoners from there. We know about the um, Nation of Islam guards, uh, the the beatings, the uh, the lack of treatment, the lack of food, the unsanitary conditions, and all of that. Is has anything changed? Now, you just come back there. Last time I talked to you, you were in New York, and so now you're back in the D.C. Gulag. Has anything changed in terms of the conditions? 
Well, uh, to be quite honest, Andy, I am in solitary confinement right now, 20 hours a day inside my cell. I'm in the basement. It's called the hole, um, the solitary confinement unit of D.C. jail. So it's pretty much par for the course here. They're continuing to abuse our human liberties, our human rights, our civil liberties. And, you know, this is... Uh, this is just what they're trying to do. Basically, they put you in these environments to try to break you down, to try to, you know, erode your conviction so that you take uh, your convictions as a man. And so you take a plea deal. Basically, it's coercion. It's torture under, you know, duress saying, hey, if you just sign this plea deal and you throw President Trump underneath the bus at your sentencing, at your uh, bond hearing or bail hearing. We're going to let you go free until your trial, and we're going to offer you a sweetheart deal, you know, time served and stuff. So the whole entire system is set up to basically emasculate and bring about, you know, this, this horrible scenario where you have to take a plea deal in order to get out of jail in any amount of reasonable time to get bonded out and stuff. And so it's I will. I refuse by the by Jesus Christ's name and by His Spirit alone. That's the only strength I have to take a plea deal, to waver to these tyrants, to become one of these feckless and spineless DC, um, you know, bureaucrats. Here, uh, this is the enemy we're fighting against, and you can't sign a contract with these people. You can't enter into agreement. You can't walk in accord with these people. How could two people walk in accord if they're not in agreement? And so that's what signing a plea deal is for me. That is what bending the knee is for me. And I just refuse to do it, and that's one of the reasons why I've been so heavily targeted for three years. I've been moved to 13 different facilities all across America, um, tortured with diesel therapy, you know, offered horrendous plea deals, and uh, I've had my trial. I don't know if this is going to be breaking news for your audience. For the fourth time, my trial has been rescheduled, this time to September 9th, 2024. That'll oh. be three years and nine months I've been incarcerated without a trial, Sandy. Jake, that just... That breaks my heart, but I would, I do want to say this. I respect you so much for not bending the knee. I know there aren't many that have been able to do that, uh, and I, I don't want to criticize them, but I would just say you're an uncommon young man, and it shows the depth of your faith that you will not bow the knee, and that's why it, they've been so hard of you, on you. So let me just say again, if you want to help, and I pray that each and every one of you will choose to help. They need 100000 more dollars before midnight on Christmas. It's j6legal.org. That's j6legal.org. You can find out more about Jake. You can see his uh, his January 6th uh, video that he created a couple a year, year, at least a year ago, maybe two years ago. But it's j6legal.org. Jake, uh, God bless you, Jake. And before you leave, can I pray for you? Of course, thank you so much, um, Sandy, for your platform, being a real patriot, Christian sister, and, uh, you know, you're, you've just been such a stalwart for the Jan Sixers. It's, it's remarkable to see how God's brought together a community out of calamity um, to, to, you know, really just kind of revitalize America in a, in a weird way. The January 6th plight has woken up um, tens of millions of people and just, you know, invigorated them to say that not again this won't we won't let this happen again we're going to stand together unify and you know just be emboldened by our chains and so yeah. thank you and i would yeah. love a prayer and okay. i appreciate it father i jake is uh, uh generally so up and so cheerful and i i actually hear in his voice uh things that he's probably not even saying i can't I, we can't even comprehend a solitary confinement in jail for three years now, almost, and now, and now a trial delayed. It's so incomprehensible. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Hear Jake's prayers. Hear his heart. Hear our prayers for him and for all of the others. There are so many stories. And so, Father, you know that. You hate injustice. You're a God of justice. So we ask that you'd bring it. Lord, bring justice to the J6ers. Bring justice to our country. Uh, grant us peace. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We are so grateful. But meanwhile, be with Jake today. Make his heart light. Bring something into that cell that would uh, make his heart beat faster and give him hope. You are the living hope. And so we make that, we claim that promise of your living hope. And I ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.
Okay, and you're he, welcome. This just popped into my spirit. I was reading uh, Acts chapter 9, or chapter 8 today, and the Enoch said to Philip, what is preventing me from being baptized right now? And I know for somebody out there who's listening, what is preventing you from being baptized right now? Um, so God bless you, Sandy. I yeah, love okay. you so much, and uh, Merry Christmas. Okay, Jay. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. Jake Lane in the D.C. Gulag, and next time I hope we talk to him, he'll be out. Thanks a lot, Jake. God bless you. Thank you. God bless. I'm sure it must have been surprised Where this road had taken him Cause never in a million lives have dreamed of Bethlehem And standing at the manger He saw with his own eyes The message from the angel come to life And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade why him with all the rulers in the world? Why him inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. And now I'm not a one to second. Have to say, but this is such a strange way to say the word. To think of how it could have been if Jesus had come as he deserved, there would have been no. Shepherds at his birth But Joseph knew the reason Love had to reach so far And as he held the Savior in his arms He must have thought, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade why him with all the rulers in the world? Why him inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. And now I'm not a one to second guess what angels have. such a strange way to say the a strange way to say the word. This is such a strange way, such a strange way, a strange Strange way to save the world. That was by for him. Let me just read a phrase. Why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. This is from Joseph. Why him? 
with all the rulers in the world? And why here, inside this stable filled with hay? And why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Uh, so this is how God works. It, it just defies logic. It makes no sense at all. He uses people who are humble. He says, unless you become as a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean you empty your brain of its intellect. God gave you that mind. He gave you a mind like his so that he could have communion with the man that he had created. No, no, we don't put beside, you know, our intellect, our wit, our understanding. But in our spirit, we are not proud and arrogant and too good to have a Lord like Jesus over our lives, too hard, too capable to bend the knee. That's the people that have trouble coming into the kingdom. God uses simple people because a lot of times wealthy intellectual people cannot bow the knee. That's certainly not true across the board, but it's very difficult for them. And so this is what he did. He humbled himself, so we have to humble ourselves. It's a wonderful pattern. Actually, it's a beautiful thing when it works the way it should. So that's kind of God's standard, and I thought it was just a wonderful kind of refreshing way to revisit that whole theme. And so God, again, worked to this very helpless little baby and sent him to save the world. That's what we're talking about here at this Christmas. You know, and every day, the problem is in this country, thousands of those babies never get a chance to live uh, because the abortionists are so eager to take their lives. And they're so, our culture is so eager to persuade women and girls that it's uh, it's their right to make this decision, They that the baby has no life value at all. It's uh, whether they want a career or if they just, just too much work or whatever. The, the culture teaches women right now that it's, uh, it's just your choice, whatever you decide. And the whole notion of the fact that it's really a life inside of you, uh, they don't talk to you about how that's going to affect you in the future, how every Christmas you might remember that you once had a baby uh, and it would have been this X amount of years old now. I mean, that's what abortion does to women, unless women are very, very callous, and there are women like that. And so we're trying to stop that. A preborn provides ultrasounds so that mothers can be very clear about what they're doing. Uh, there's really, I, I would say, once they see that baby, well, look, I've heard stats more than 50%. What I'd say it's just safe enough to say that over half of the women decide to keep their babies. And, um, and, so that's the reason. They actually, it hits them for the first time. This is a real life. I don't think I can do this. I want to keep my baby. Maybe give it, a, give it to an adoption service, whatever. Give it to another couple to raise, but not terminate its life. And you want to, if you want to help that, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And make your most generous donation. back with you and this time I've asked my sweetheart Bruce to join me we're having a great Christmas really right now and I, I've asked him to talk about something in particular that what you just are hearing there I used to play it on the morning show all the time every Christmas because I love uh, the Messiah soulful celebration version it's just so much fun lots of energy a new new take on the Messiah but the Messiah of course has a wonderful story wonderful story written by George Friedrich Handel uh, it, I've asked Bruce to tell the story. Honey, did you know about this before you read this morning? No, I didn't, and uh, I'm glad that you had me read it. Um, George Friedrich Handel, Friedrich, very German. Friedrich. He was born in 1685, so think about that. That's a, almost 100 years before the American Revolution. And he was born in Germany, and his father was very successful. And speaking as a German... Myself, uh, speak, his, say it in German to make through your point. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, his father was very stern, and he had plans for his son. And his plans for his son was that he would study civil law. But as George started to grow in his early years, uh, he was very artistic, and he he gravitated towards music. 
and he uh, really enjoyed instruments. But his father was quoted as saying, we will have none of that musical nonsense in your life. Oh, boy. To a child prodigy. (laughs) But that didn't stop young George. Um, At night, when his parents would go to sleep, and now we're talking like six, seven years old, he would sneak up into the attic of their home, and he had a small clavichord. Now, a clavichord is like a small string uh, keyboard instrument. And he would practice. He would play. And at eight years old, he and his family were at church one day, and at the end of the service, George walked up to the piano, the organ, and began to play the postlude. And his parents were blown away. They're like, where did, he, where did he learn to do this? Well, his father was still not down with all of this, so um, they, they enrolled George in law school, which he did not thrive in. And he left, and at age 26, he ended up going to London. And uh, by that time, uh, a lot of the London um, audiences were growing tired of operas in uh, being sung in German or Italian, and they wanted something different. So, Like in English. <laughs> yeah. So Handel saw an opportunity, and in one year, he wrote four operas. But there was so much strain on him from writing that he suffered a stroke, and it paralyzed his right arm. And the doctor who treated him say, we may save the man, but the musician is lost forever. It seems to me that his brain has been permanently injured. But as so often happens when people that God has their hand on, that didn't uh, turn out to be the way it turned out. Uh, He did regain the strength in his arm. And in 1741, he was still working as a composer, but he was really heavily in debt. And you know, in those days, if you were in debt, uh, they often, in England, they threw you into debtor's prison. And as it happened, um, a friend of of George's named Charles Yennings was a poet, and he had written a poem which called a libretto, which, as Sandy informed me, means the words to a musical composition. And... Um, Handel set to putting music to these words. And in only 23 days, he wrote the Messiah, which was 260 pages long. And the servants that were trying to attend to Handel while he was writing Messiah said that he, he, he wasn't eating, he wasn't sleeping, he was just like driven. And in just 23 days, he completed this. And it's kind of interesting, given what we were talking about in today's show with J- Jacob Lang about p- political prisoners, people in jail. Um, what Handel did with this um, Messiah that he had uh, penned is he mainly devoted it towards um, charitable um, concerts. And in these concerts, they were helping prisoners in debtor's prison. They were ho- helping or- orphans. They were helping the sick. And it took a while, but after a while, in in Dublin, the Messiah started receiving rave reviews. And as a, as a um, as an example, um, at one performance, they raised four hundred pounds and freed one hundred and forty two people from debtor's prison. Wow. And there were so many people coming that the sponsors of the concert asked that women refrain from wearing. uh, hoops under their skirts and that the men were encouraged to leave their swords at home. So more people could get into the (laughs) opera and listen. (laughs) So they could fit into the seats better. (laughs) And uh, anyway, um, the um, Messiah was primarily being used at Easter time performances. Because the whole work, it it includes, the whole story of Jesus' life is the Messiah, but we usually just... Yeah, the, the, Christmas the Messiah goes all the way from the birth of Jesus to his resurrection. But we, as you say, we we are accustomed to hearing the the Christmas part of it, the the um, the birth. And so, anyway, uh, some forty years after Messiah premiered, a very famous English musicologist, Charles Burney, wrote, "This great work has been heard in all parts of the kingdom 
with increasing reverence and delight. It has fed the hungry, clothed the naked, fostered the orphan, and enriched succeeding managers of the oratorios more than any single production in this or any other country. And I think what's important is that the Messiah is actually based on Scripture, and it draws heavily from the book of Revelation. And I want to I cite three parts of Revelation that um, are referenced in the song. There's Revelation 19.6, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Revelation 19.16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Revelation 11.15, And he shall reign forever and ever. Bruce, let's go back in the story because, okay, given that, he's in that room 24 days, whatever it is, not eating, not sleeping. Uh, they, the servants can't get him to come to the door. And so he said something about how it was affecting him that just i it just blows me away and when i well do you do you remember what yes. that was when uh handel finished writing messiah he stated to one of the servants i did think i did see all heaven before me and the great god himself seated on his throne with his company of angels all right well, ladies and gentlemen, if you've not heard the Messiah, if there's anyone out there who hasn't, this is a must hear. And you have to learn the words. You have to have an, learn an appreciation. But believe me, the first time it was performed, as I understand, people were so moved, they leapt to their feet. And that's why everywhere you go that you hear the Hallelujah Chorus or the Messiah, people jump to their feet at the end. Even if it's a not a good performance, uh, they do that. So... Uh, I did read that phrase again, honey, just one more time, and then we're going to listen to the King's College version of the Hallelujah Chorus. I did think I did see all heaven before me, and the great God himself seated on his throne with his company of angels.
from Sandy Rios 24-7, Bruce and I want to wish all of you Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.